You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. We're continuing our series called Just Saying, The Power of Words. And uh, a few weeks back, we started by looking at a couple talks where we talked about complaining and then criticizing. And then last week, we kind of did a, uh, a little bit of flip the script where we talked about how powerful the encouraging words of a mom can be and the difference that that can make. And encouragement is such a powerful thing. And now we want to talk about next Sunday, the topic of gossip, of course, None of you in here really probably have a problem with that, but you should be here just so that you can share with your friends who really struggle, okay? Is that fair? And today I want to tell you a story to kind of set up our topic for this morning. You know, those of you that have kids in daycare, you know that there's a common policy that if your kid is sick, you really can't bring them to daycare, right? And that creates a lot of problems for parents because they're not planning on having to take the day off or make other arrangements. That's why they have daycare. So some parents get really creative trying to work around some of those, you know, illnesses. They don't, they don't, want, to, they don't want you to bring your kid there because they got to make sure all these other kids don't get sick, right? Well, I read a story about a mom who got really creative. She brought her son in, little guy, and he's got an eye patch on, okay? And uh, the caregiver said, what happened to his eye? She said, oh, I got, he got it hurt or something. And immediately the caregiver is a little suspicious. And the mom says, whatever you do, though, do not remove the eye patch. So the caregiver picked him up and took the eye patch off to reveal the worst case of pink eye you've ever seen. Okay, this mom has a problem with lying, and that's our topic today. We're going to talk about lying. Now here, I need some audience participation on this. How many of you would admit, okay, that over the last 24 hours, just the last 24 hours, you have lied at least once, okay? And I'm going to talk about white lies all the way to the big whoppers. How many of you would say you've lied at least once, okay? Okay, those of you that have your hands up, uh, I want you to look around, okay? Now, research tells us that on average, and we're probably above average because we're in church, right? I'm just going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're an axe murderer, but you're here today, and so you're going to get covered by this blanket, that you're about, you probably are guilty of half of what the research says, but on average, they say that the average person lies at least four times a day. So if you had your hand up, look around at the people around you and go, you were lying about lying. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> now, some of you probably haven't lied, okay? And some of you are, are doing your part to balance out those people, right? Our topic today is lying, and there's a lot of research about it. The University of Massachusetts did a research project where they found that when a person, 60% of people, when they first meet someone for the first time, they have a 10-minute conversation with that person. They will lie at least once in that 10-minute conversation. 60% of us. Which means that I'm going to preach a nine-minute sermon today so that I don't lie to you during that. Which is kind of funny because I just lied. This sermon is going to be longer than nine minutes. We're all liars. We're all liars. 
I had a guy in the first service said to me, he goes, well, what exactly is a fib? How does that fit into this? You know? And we give it different names, don't we? White lies, fibs, you know, embellishment. Why? All, the, all, of, all along, we're trying to mask the issue here, which is lying. There is some humor in this, and we can laugh a little bit about it, but in all seriousness, when we think about how God feels about lying, we may wonder, what is his position on this? We, we're assuming he's against lying, but how, do, how does he truly feel about it? And I want you to look at Proverbs, the 12th chapter, verse 22. It's very definitive, and I want you to read this with me, okay? The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. I couldn't hear you very well, so let's do it one more time, all right? The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests when we lie, but he loves it when we tell the truth. And the Hebrew word that's translated as detests here in Proverbs 12, 22, actually means something disgusting or something that makes one nauseous, which is interesting because when we lie, you could imply that our behavior actually makes God nauseous. The Apostle Paul has some really strong insights to this as well. Look what he says in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 21 through 24. He says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, all, throw off your old self, excuse me, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now listen to what he says in the next verse, verse 25. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. Throw off the old nature, he says. Since you know Jesus, you know him. He says, let him renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Stop telling lies. You know, there's an old preacher saying that says, you may never be more like the devil than when you're telling lies. It's pretty powerful. And I would guess that Jesus would agree with that statement. This is what Jesus said in John 8.44 on this topic of lying. He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Perhaps this is one of the reasons why God hates it so much, why it makes him nauseous. Because his spiritual enemy, our enemy, the prince of darkness, his number one weapon is to lie. Jesus is the truth, and the truth sets us free. The devil, though, is a liar, and he uses lies to take us out of the freedom of God's truth. I want to show you this morning briefly what the devil's strategy is when it comes to lying. Now, this isn't an original thought with me. Craig Rochelle points out that the devil's strategy with regard to lying, and I found this to be really helpful to me personally, and I thought it would make sense to share it with you. I think it helps us to understand the devil's strategy. There seems to be three basic steps the devil wants to get each of us to take with regard to lying. And the first one is this, simply, Satan wants to get you to lie. He wants to convince you that this is a good thing. And it may be something as simple as exaggerating or embellishing a story to make yourself look a little bit better. 
Or it could be cheating on a test. Or it could be lying about where you were last night. It's no big deal, right? Or it might be telling partial truths. You're not telling everything, but you're just telling the story in a way that makes you look really good. Because of our sinful nature, it's amazing how often we will choose to speak the devil's language and lie. I wish I could tell you that I've never lied, but that would be a lie. And I wish I could tell you that it's easy for me not to lie, but that would be a lie too. It's really shocking to me that occasionally I'll find myself telling a lie, or at least being tempted to, which is speaking the devil's language. When I was in the first grade, I announced to some of those in my class that my dad worked at John Deere. That was not true. (laughs) I remember thinking, my dad, if he worked at John Deere, that would be so cool, right? There was a huge plant in our town, a John Deere plant, and I thought it would be great if my dad worked at a place that made tractors. Besides, it was way cooler than whatever it was my dad did. He was a diesel mechanic, but in first grade or kindergarten, whatever it was, I couldn't, I had no idea what that was. So I announced that my dad worked at John Deere, and I thought that would elicit a great response, like, wow, your dad is really cool. No one seemed to be impressed at all. Till two days later when my mom said, why did you tell your class that your dad works at John Deere? I thought, how does she know this? This woman is amazing. Apparently my mom was much better friends with my teacher than I thought. You know, there is humor in some of this. But the tragedy is that when we actually give in to Satan's schemes, and we can do it at a really young age, when we give in to his schemes, we end up speaking his native language. So the first step is Satan wants to get you to lie. The second step Satan wants you to lie to yourself. It's one thing to tell a lie. It's another thing to lie to yourself. And when you lie to yourself, what do you do? You start rationalizing your lies. You start telling other lies to cover up the original lies, don't you? And before you know it, there are are a lot of lies, like spinning plates, and you're trying to keep them all going. In 2015, the Washington Post did an expose on a story with regard to a high school teenage girl. They don't do stories like this very often. But this was one of those stories that got so far out of hand, the Washington Post actually did an investigative report to cover the story. This girl was a student at Thomas Jefferson High School in Virginia. It's Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. It's it's one of the great schools, high schools, in our country. It's one of those schools where if you go there, one of your, the goals of a student there is to get an acceptance letter from all eight Ivy League colleges. These are some of the best of the best of kids in science and technology. In this case, this girl told her parents and her friends that she'd been accepted by both Harvard and Stanford. And both colleges were so intent on getting her to come that they actually developed a once-in-a-lifetime kind of program where she would go to college for two years at Harvard and then two years at Stanford. None of this was true. She had actually told her friends that Mark Zuckerberg, a Harvard alum, founder of Facebook, had actually called her and encouraged her to go to Harvard. She had acceptance letters and glowing emails from college administrators and professors alike from both colleges. None of it was true. 
And for her parents, man, my heart really went out to them. Her parents, not knowing all of this, unsuspectingly, went to the media in their home country. And this, the media was so ready to latch onto this story. See, they ran story after story in South Korea where she was from, and she became an instant hero, an instant celebrity. In fact, they named her Genius Girl for just a short period of time. But some of her classmates started to ask questions. They found her story to be somewhat unbelievable. And so they asked some questions, and before long, both Harvard and Stanford uh, issued renunciations saying she was never invited to come to their school. One lie led to another lie, led to another lie, and before long, the whole charade collapsed like a house of cards. There are some of you who have lied so much to the point where you've rationalized your own sinfulness. You say, well, I'm not that bad. I mean, it was just a white lie, just a little fib. It's not that big a deal. It doesn't hurt anybody. And what happens? You're not just lying to others, but now you're lying to yourself. You're in good company, though. That's exactly what King David did when he thought he was above the rules. It's the Old Testament story found in 2 Samuel, the 11th and 12th chapters. He should have gone to war with his army and his generals, but instead he stayed home. And one night while up on the roof looking out over the city, he saw a woman who was bathing on her rooftop. Very attractive woman. This wasn't an uncommon practice in that time because it was a cooler place to bathe. But he saw her. He sent his servants, said, get that woman for me. They brought her back. David committed adultery with her. And in the process, she conceived a child. David then started to lie and lie and lie. And then he devised a plan to basically trick her husband into coming back from the battle lines. That's right. He was actually with the army. And sleep with his wife in order to cover up the sin that David had committed with her. He underestimated, though, that her husband, Uriah, would have such integrity. You see, it was, it was a standard policy among soldiers that they would not engage in things like sexual activity while their comrades were in battle, in battle zones. And so he refrained from it. So David devised a plan, essentially sending Uriah back to the battlefront, instructing his general Joab to cause all the soldiers to retreat except Uriah, and Uriah would be killed, believing that he would be killed in battle. Not long after that, the prophet Nathan came to David and said, hey, I have a little story I want to tell you. It's about a man who was rich and powerful. In fact, he was more wealthy, had more herds than you could ever imagine. And then there was this other man. He was really poor, but he had one lamb, and his kids loved it. In fact, this lamb was more like a pet to his family than it was like livestock. One day, when a traveler came to visit the rich man, he, instead of taking one of his animals and, and butchering it to prepare for his hungry guest, he stole the poor man's lamb, butchered it, prepared it, and fed it to his hungry visitor. As David listened to this story, he became more and more furious. And we read in 2 Samuel twelve five, it says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then in tremendous courage, Nathan looks at the king 
looks him right in the eyes and he says, you are the man. You are the man. Some of you today, I need to warn you, as we talk about lying and living lies, I need to warn you that the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you saying, you are the man or you are the woman. You're the one lying to others and now you're lying to yourself. You've been deceived. And you're deceiving yourself and you're living apart from God's truth. What is Satan trying to do? He's trying to get you to lie. And then he's trying to get you to lie to yourself. And then the third step he wants you to take, Satan wants you to live that lie. He wants you to live a lie. He wants you to claim one thing, that you're something entire, but yet you're something entirely different. For instance, you may be seen as a super Christian among your friends, but privately you know you have a problem with pornography or stealing. It could be that your life is perfection on Instagram. I mean, you look that you look at your Insta, Instagram uh, your Instagram and there's that perfect pictures of that new SUV. Man, you're living great. <laughs> there's all those great photos of your vacation. But you battle every day inside these feelings of meaninglessness and worthlessness every single day of your life. Or you might be the Pinterest mom to everybody else. You know, everything at your house is homemade. Uh, The home looks perfect all the time. But if they knew, you're struggling with depression. It might be that at Life Group, everybody thinks you have the perfect marriage. And you act the part until you get home and you end up sleeping in separate rooms. There are those of you right now that are incredibly quiet because you feel a bit uncomfortable. The Holy Spirit might be working on you saying, you are the man. You know you are. You are the woman. You've been living a lie. The devil wants to tell us lies. The devil wants us to believe these lies. And ultimately, he wants us to live these lies. And this is a huge concern. And I'll tell you why, to me, I think it gets so far to an extreme. This is why it's so important for us to hear this. The concern is that the devil is a deceiver. And he has deceived some of us into believing that you are a Christian when you may not actually be one at all. Some of us think, I go to church a few times, uh, you know, every month or so. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm, I know I'm not Muslim or Buddhist, so I must be a Christian, right? And if that's your logic, there may be something really systemically wrong with your thought process. When you, when you really look at your life, when you examine how you live, there's no evidence of spiritual fruit there. There's no difference between the way you live and the way people in the world live. That may be the first and best indication that you're not walking as a follower of Jesus. Listen to what John said when he's talking about lying. He says in 1 John 2, 4, Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. Whoever says, I know God, but doesn't do what what God commands us, God directs us to do, and there's no obedience, there's no life change, there's no spiritual fruit in that person's life. When we know God, 
suddenly there is a difference in us. We pivot from the world to following the ways of God. But if I say I know God and there's no resemblance of Jesus in my life, if we don't do what he commands, then John says that person is a liar and the truth is not in them. Some see themselves as Christians because they live in America and America is a Christian nation. But being an American doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. If we aren't obedient to what Jesus calls us to, if we're not reflecting him, resembling him, if there is no spiritual fruit in our life, we may very well have been deceived into thinking we're on his team when we never actually signed up. We may be lying to ourselves. And that may be the greatest deception that Satan has pulled off in the lives of many people in churches all over the world. It's certainly well worth doing a little bit of assessment in your own life. See, it's the devil's strategy to get you to lie, so why do we lie? Do you know why you lie? I've I've had a little more time to think about it in preparation for this, and I I would tell you that I lie for a couple of reasons, for basically three reasons, I think. First of all, I lie to protect uh, my own feelings. Uh, I lie because I want to protect the opinion that you have of me. And I think I lie sometimes just to say, I don't want to hurt your feelings, you know? Does this make me look fat? No. That's a lie. (laughs) Why do you lie? When you recognize why we lie, then we can bring truth to it and find healing for it. Here's the key point. The reason most of us lie, if we were to generalize it, is because we don't completely trust God. We believe that our lie will work better than the truth actually will. The lie might keep me safe. If I tell a lie, then I won't get in trouble. But suddenly, when, I, when we lie, we're actually not safe because we're trying to build a life on lies. And that's much more difficult than it is to build it on the truth. It may be that we think, if I tell a lie, you might like me better. The problem is that when we have a relationship that's not built on truth, but instead on lies, it's not a healthy relationship. Or we might think, if I tell a lie, it's going to lead to avoiding conflict. It doesn't always work that way, but the truth is that sometimes the best relationships are those that happen on the other side of working through conflict. At its root, we tend to believe that our lies work better than God's truth. Ultimately, we don't trust God in those moments. Let's make it as simple as we can. The devil is the father of lies, and lying is his native language. It is one of the most effective tools he uses to deceive us and get us to pull away from the truth of God. Jesus said this in John 8, 32, when you know the truth, when you know the truth, then you will know the truth, excuse me, and the truth will set you free. Anybody need a little freedom today? When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Lies bring bondage. The truth brings freedom. Satan wants to tell a lie. And he wants you to believe a lie. And ultimately to live that lie. Jesus, he wants you to walk in truth, to experience truth. 
And the truth will ultimately set you free. God's plan is very simply this, that we would confess our sins to him and receive forgiveness from him. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Don't miss, don't miss the point here when God says, if we confess to him, what does he do? He cleanses us. He forgives us. He separates our sins as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't hold them against us any longer. They are gone. So we confess to him saying, I need your forgiveness. And we receive his grace. But there's a second layer to confession that James talks about in James 5.16. It deals with a different facet here. He says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. We confess to God and we receive forgiveness. But James says when we confess to each other, we receive spiritual healing. This confession may be public and it might be private, but when it's coupled with mutual prayer, it can bring healing to a person. The healing here points to a deeper spiritual healing, healing from sin, healing from broken relationships. So we confess to God for forgiveness and we confess to each other for healing from sin and broken relationships. There are some of you right now who are carrying a lie. I don't know who you are, but I know in a group this size, there's always some. You're carrying this lie, and you may be living out that lie. You may actually be believing that it's more true than the lie that it actually is. How's that feel? Well, I know personally, and you probably know, it's the worst feeling in the world. The oppression, the guilt, the fear of being found out, it's horrible. But what would it be like to wake up one day and be able to say, I've got no secrets, I'm completely free, completely forgiven? Listen, the devil is a liar. And when you, when you lie, you speak his native language. He wants to get you to lie and to believe the lie and actually to live out those lies in your life. But instead, why not confess all of that garbage to the Lord? Just lay it down at his feet. Some of you need to do that this morning during this song after we pray. Just take some time and just say, Lord, you know I'm not living the way I should. I've been living this. This is truth, and I want to be here instead. Why not confess it? And, and let Jesus lead you to the freedom that he came to bring for all of us. It's bondage or freedom. There's two choices. And actually, the choice is yours. The choice is yours. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for exposing Satan's plan to try to get us to lie today. All of us lie. Uh, some of us, we lie consistently and, and often. Some of us, we just embellish or we bend the truth a little bit and we fib or white lie, but we don't think that it's that big a deal. But all of us are somewhere on that continuum. And uh, 
we want to work toward um, being less nauseating to you, Lord. Regardless of the reasons we lie, help us to see that a life of lies is actually bondage. It's not life at all. But a life lived in the truth that comes from you is freedom. And Lord, I pray that every person in this place today, every person who watches this online, that they would live in that freedom. That was the life you intended for us to have. If you've been deceived to think that you're a Christ follower, but you realize that there's really no difference from the life you're living and the life that the world lives, I want to encourage you to come today at the close of the service. And let's talk about that. It's time to confess to God your need for forgiveness. Accept that grace that God offers and enter into a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're a Christian, but over time you realize you've believed several lies and you've actually been living this lie for a while. And I just want you to take that step. Maybe it's during this song. Maybe you want someone to pray with you. Just confess that lie to God and repent of it today. Start living in the truth that Jesus offers. God, you forgive sin and your truth sets us free. And Jesus came that we might have life. And your word says that you desire that we would have it in abundance. I just ask God that you would give all of us courage today to take the steps that we need to, to eliminate the lies and start living in the freedom that comes from Jesus. We pray this in his name.